0: Hi, everyone. Welcome to Steps audio channel. We are very excited to share our content from Steps events to learn all about the latest trends in startups, digital media, fintech, future tech and wellness in emerging markets. You can find us on Enagami, Spotify and Apple podcasts. Make sure to subscribe to your favorite channel and we hope you enjoy the content. Good morning. Good morning all. Oh, thank you so much to our panelists thus far right here on the fintech stage. The day continues, Uh, just a nice little reminder after the break, uh, it turns into the future stage and so many more panels coming up later on in regards to AI and the metaverse. Right now, though, a great panel coming your way next, uh, hosted by our sponsors who are fueling the fintech stage this morning, DAPI. Uh, They are discussing the current state of the fintech space right here in the MENA region. This next panel is going to be moderated by Shafiq Ibrahim from Walvat. I'd like to introduce you to this stage. Shafiq, thank you so much for being here. And uh, Isan Al-Hayek from DAPI is back on the stage uh, on the panel. Narendra Nandil from Nimcard and Danny Abia from Bankyom. Guys, welcome to the stage. Please give them a warm welcome. Hi, good morning, everyone. I hope it's audible. I know that some of my friends did mention that the mics are not very clear, but I hope it's, uh, it's okay now. And good to see you back to the old norms. We have been speaking about new norms for long. But it's good to see, like, you know, there's no much social distancing and we're back to our normal lives again. Uh, Good morning, everyone. And so basically, in this region, we have seen fintechs growing. The number of fintechs, I believe, are 450 plus fintechs in this region only, in the only Mina region. And the numbers are growing. And if you look at the space today over here, if you walk in, it's all fintechs all over, all right? And since morning, we've been talking about two things. One is the regulations and the, and the fintechs. Now, to introduce this, uh, the new phenomena of, uh, of fintechs, right? I have a few members over here, uh, well-known fintech gurus. Uh, we have uh, Danny. So let me quickly introduce Danny. Danny, uh, he comes with his uh, 15 years experience in tech and e-commerce. And uh, been working in MENA and U.S. region. Currently, building a third uh, company, which is Challenger Bank for Millennials. By the name, Esan, thank you very much for you know, hosting us and, and giving us a platform over here. So, Esan is a part of the founding team of DAPI and the regional manager for the MENA region, worked in venture creations and consulting, helped a large number of local startups develop the business model and go market strategy. We have learned a very well-known personality, been in industry for the past 20 years, a veteran in payment industry, having worked across banks, uh, local international schemes, Fintechs, and now part of the third startup journey. Wow, all right, in the payment space. Thanks. If you if talk about Fintechs today, all right, and uh, you know the rise of the Fintechs currently in the past couple of years is, has been like you now drastic, has been huge, and everyone's talking about that. right. How do you describe the Fintech ecosystem? In this fragmented region today, uh, Narendra, for you.
1: Uh, let, let me lay down what a fragmentation means. Uh, can you hear me? Yeah. yeah. So so let's let's talk about what a fragmented industry is, right? Now this region, MENA region, if I divide this region into different ways, right? One way of dividing the region is the GCC countries and the non-GCC countries, right? When I talk about the GCC countries, high rate of penetration of uh, mobile, high rate of uh, penetration of, uh, or a high, uh, I would say, the GDP, uh, take-home salaries is pretty high. So it's like more affluent people in the GCC region. The non-GCC part of the MENA region is still large population, large unbanked population. So the dynamics in both these segments are totally different. So that's one way of fragmenting the, or one way of uh, segmenting the two markets, right? The second way of segmentation is, uh, you know, like, for example, there are people who are looking for easy access to financial services, or there are people who have access to the financial services, but they are looking at more innovative ways. So there are two different set of customers which are there. So... Also, in the last five years in the region, what we have seen is the fintech adoption as well as the fintech growth has changed the geographies. So, for example, a couple of years back, it was Lebanon and Jordan and the Levant region, which was very active. The whole, uh, action is now shifting to UAE, Saudi, Egypt. And this is the place where, you know, the fintech activity is happening and the fintechs are coming out. So, what has it led to? What are the main trends, or what is what is still lacking in this uh, in this region? If you go by the stats, still one in four people only has access to the banking uh, financial services. Right? The savings rate still are the lowest in the globe in this region, single digits. The SME landing is still the lowest in the in the in the globe. Right? Still like half of what the global averages are. Still in single digits. Now, all these trends are the ideal recipe for the fintech activity to kind of come and start growing. And hence, you see like more than 5,000 odd use cases which are kind of coming up. Five years back, there were less than like 50 odd fintechs in this region. And I'm talking about within the uh, MENA region. Today, there are like 450, 500 plus fintechs which are already there. And every month we see another lot of 50 fintechs coming up in the region. So that's that's what I feel is like the, the opportunity is there in this region for multiple fintechs to come and solve for, at the end of the day, solve for the customers who are there. And as I told you, there are two sets of customers. Give them access to the basic financial services and people who have, have uh, basic access uh, innovate for them.
0: Well, thank you. I mean, yes, it does make sense. Now now, considering the number of fintechs which are there right now, considering the diversity that we have, the cultural differences, you know, the ecosystem that we have in the MENA region itself, do you think the fintechs which are emerging, you know, they understand the region very well, or right? why they're able to solve okay, the problem areas. All right, oh, we are just looking at fintechs just emerging, all right, and not addressing the real value, right? That's if you want to take that question.
2: Is it working? Yeah. Yes, well, thank you so much, Shafi. Pleasure again to be here. Um, so I love this topic, right? The fragmentation because it's the least talked about topic and it's one of the main problems of our region. It's what makes us, let's say compared to the Eurozone where a company can obtain a license and pretty much you know, serve a very big market. Same in the U.S. So you look at the U.S., you have 320 million people under one roof. But here you have fintech application dying to get a license in one market just to serve a few hundred thousand, right? Especially in fintech, the, the scale is extremely important. Um, you know, for, for the business model to work, you need scale, you need millions of customers. Um, so yes, we celebrate a lot of, uh, you know, financial, uh, companies launching and trying to prove the concept in one market, but we need to help them giving them what they need, which is access to wider audience. Um, right now, if you look at the MENA region, yes, as Narendra explained is you have geographical fragmentation, you have regulation and regulation sometimes might happen in the same country. Um, you know, at, um, you know, you, you can have Dubai regulation and you can have Abu Dhabi regulation at some point, especially in the early days of the, uh, of the fintech. Now it's, we're making a very big progress on that. Uh, but that's why it's a very important topic that we need to, uh, to address. Now, to address it, there are two ways, pretty much. You have the regulatory way, which is the government, central banks coming up together, figuring out a framework that will kind of give us something close to a eurozone, at least commercially. Now, this is ideal, but it's going to take a very long time, right? So we cannot bet and wait for it. The different approach, I think, what this panel is trying to do is to make, do the market led approach. That means each one of us from Narendra, from the uh, banking as a service perspective, you know, uh, being available in multiple markets, uh, similar to uh, us as well from an open banking perspective. Right now, a technology company in the UAE can offer some sort of a financial service for a customer in the UAE, plus in Egypt, plus in or- Jordan. They rely on us to be their local partners. And the same goes to uh, Narendra with deeper uh, connections. So I think with open banking now coming full force in the, the region, we do have an excellent chance of stitching together, at least commercially, uh, these markets and these uh, jurisdictions. So... Um, you know, I think we we came to the uh, the problem the right time, the right moment when we partner up together is. Uh, yeah, yeah interesting
1: interesting thing which you uh, said there, uh, Ishan, which was you know like one of the important things on which all the fintechs you know like who are present over here they if they go to the market to launch their fintech, right? They have to deal with yeah. six, seven, eight different entities even to make their basic value prop you know, go, go to the market. So they have to deal with the regulators. They have to deal with the banks. We heard in the last panel, you know, like, even if you crack the regulatory problem, you still have to crack the banking problem. And then uh, once you crack both these things, then you have to go and get yourself integrated with the various third parties, vendors to kind of help you. And that's where we saw a huge opportunity of how I can or how we can become a common platform to solve it for all the fintechs together, right? If you have to address a fragmented market, which where the scale can only come when all these different fragments come together, you need a common platform, right? And that's that's where we as, as a bass provider, we thought like our, our model is to help fintechs to solve for their customers, right? And let us remove all the other frictions. So we want it to be a frictionless one stop shop for the fintechs to come plug and play with us and, uh, you know, like take away their, their running around. So we, we take off most of the, uh, I would say the operational slash compliance hazards of the fintechs, uh, who come and kind of play with us. And, uh, yeah, uh, we have, uh, our, Uh, Most of my clients
0: are here, most of my fintechs are here. No, great. See, you did mention about regulation and past two sessions, we have been just hearing about regulations. So it seems like no matter what you do, regulation plays a, a key role to enable it, right? This one. Now, not to really go deep in detail of regulations, because I think that's been already covered and I'm sure to be covered throughout the day as well. What role do you suggest, like, you know, that the regulators in the MENA region, are they playing? First of all, are they playing any role? That's one thing. And if they're playing, what role are they playing? And what role do you expect them to play to enable? Because I understand from a, from a payment platform, as a bank service, we have everything. We have technology, we have services. We want enablers now, right? So what role are you expecting? And anything? you have been quiet for some time. Uh, so let's start with uh, hearing from your experience.
3: So... Uh, as a regulator i mean they control the Sorry. they control the space but lately you could see there is a change in mentality especially in the uae and in saudi and in uh, bahrain of the regulator well before they used to uh, like regulate in uh, with some kind of fear of uh, stealing or fear of fraud or fear of now they have a more open Uh, mentality towards enabling the space and because, I mean, if you look at banks in the the region you feel that there's like a conspiracy to enforce the mediocre because this is what we have this is what uh, 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 you're going to get, you can complain all you want, but it's not going to get better because there's no other player that can provide something better where everybody will flock there but now you have regulators who would actively listen to us and approach us and invite us to uh, uh, to uh, workshops, asking us how they can improve. I mean, I'm Lebanese, and uh, for us, I come from a place where our regulator, along with our banks, uh, colluded to piss away our money. So you come here, you kinda uh, feel that something is happening and they feel it too yesterday i was at the uh, fintech hive and the um, minister of ai was actively asking us how can we improve now so the mentality is there but we haven't scratched the surface yet because banks are still the um, keepers at the gates and uh, they, I mean, like uh, I see exactly what happened with uh, the telco industry, where they became big and arrogant, and then Steve, Job, uh, Steve Jobs came and uh, created the iPhone, and uh, uh, now they got reduced to a pipeline. And banks are kind of facing the same, uh, uh, the same feat, if you want, because now they're just a warehouse for money. And everything interesting is happening as a layer above them. Uh, and and they, they're kind of like, uh, they were drowning, they felt they were drowning and they started lobbying the regulator, which early on played their game, but then figured out that uh, what they're doing is uh, stifling the economy in itself. So when the strategic decision was taken in the region to own FinTech, you could see things are changing, but that means that governments need to collaborate to create like a kind of a uh, open banking uh, across region. If you, I mean, uh, if you look at where the uh, industry has, com used to do cash on delivery, and now you have Tamara doing uh, 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 buy now, pay later, and we have gone through a big progress. And unfortunately for banks, they can't lead that progress. But we need the regulator to escort us into uh, getting much, much, much uh, better services into, uh, uh, into our banking and our finances. And uh, I'm not gonna get into crypto now. That's another uh, uh, story in itself.
0: Right. Well, thank you. Would, yeah, no, just, just
1: quickly adding on to Uh The regulator's prime focus is always, you know, like the interest of the customer, right? So whatever regulations they come out with or whatever uh, policies these guys make, they keep always customer at their heart, right? Whichever use case, talk about cryptos, talk about fintechs, talk about trading platforms. It's the regulator will regulate an entity primarily to keep the end customers money safe and secure right and that's that's where uh so that that's the principal uh, i would say the interest of a regulator like how do they form the policies and regulations around that the second thing is how fast and how adaptive they are now fortunately in this in this part of the world what i have seen is uh we have seen saudi opening up very very fast So the last two years immense you know like a participation from the regulators uae immense participation from the regulators to kind of you know understand and we have seen that in the past uh, panel uh, most of you guys would have understood that the regulators are willing to come and listen what is best for the customers and they are willing to kind of you know create regulations licenses around those things. Now the big question still remains is within the country these things are happening or within islands this are happening. How does it happen across, let's say, the GCC countries or across the MENA region? That's what should be the next. Uh, I would say, you know, like the participation by the regulators.
3: Very true. I mean, I spoke well about the regulators, so that now I can start criticizing them. Yes, they are too slow, too too slow. And uh, for us, uh, uh, as startups, that pace is killing us. So uh, something needs to happen on that front. But uh, the mentality is there. Uh, I don't know how fast it, it could be, which probably forces us to, like, uh, go uh, stuff like that. And we lean on you, to because you're building the pipeline of uh, the banking service, whether it's DAPI, whether it's NIMCARD. Uh, and uh, uh, you know how 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 many times we fight uh, together so that we can figure out a way to uh, stay on the gray zone but like uh, uh, because as you said the customer is uh, uh, is what the regulator thinks of but before it's it was very easy to say no and not uh, suffer the consequence, because when you say no, some, uh, uh, something doesn't happen, so you, you don't know what uh, what uh, you missed out on. Now the regulator is saying yes, but that yes is kind of slow.
2: Yeah, Just to comment on this topic as well, since they mentioned the uh, regulators. So traditionally, the role of the government is either to regulate or to facilitate. You know, you've seen in the U- U.S., for example, it's, it's pretty much a market-led approach. You know, they let the market figure it out. And that's why I think the, the, specifically the UAE have kind of did the hybrid model where they um, allow companies to initially, you know, through the sandbox, the ADGM, the DIFC, and so on, initially try to experiment with the market. They hear the market, they see the different stakeholders, and they're, now they're moving into uh, regulation. So I agree on the, on the speed, but I think this, we need to acknowledge that there's really a tremendous effort in, uh, uh, you know, reflecting on the current state of the market and then, uh, you know, have like a more closer relationship because, uh, right now they cannot just ignore because you have a lot of use cases where the market led approach will just go ahead anyway and you can right now you're based in the uae service a client who's in uh, other parts of the world it's not it's super cross-border at the moment uh, to the point that if they don't step in and kind of listen to the requirement listen to the regulators the market is going on anyway uh, so that's that's one of the I think the driver that will push them to become uh, more re- more and more responsive and uh, agile in the process of uh, re- putting the regulation. And we need to you know, not over-regulate because this will kill all the risky and ambitious new use cases. So we,
0: it's it's always a balance uh, between the two. Well, I agree with you. I see the a uh, couple of meetings that I had with regulators was same thing, right? What they said, like, you know, it's not only the consumer protection that they have to look at. They have to look at the economics of the country as well. A lot of factors that they are looking at. Really right now is going through the FATF screening. And so a lot of things as central bank or regulator has to look into it. Right. And that's what they said. They said, yes, there are several fintechs. Okay. What they're doing is they're not going by fintech by fintech. They're saying we will regulate certain practices, some activities, and anything that falls under those activities can be regulated. Right. This is one thing. Now, any regulator in this hall today? Any regulator? Nobody, right? This is one nice. of the drawbacks. Yeah, this is one of the challenges of the regulators. It's like regulators, somehow, they are not part of all that innovation that happens, right? So they get this information where you knock at the door of the regulator and then you sit back and you explain, right? Personally speaking, I have not seen many regulators being part of such such forums as such. right? so that, that's that's another drawback that I personally feel. But having said this thing, they have been a lot of progress. Uh, uh, Central Bank of UE, they have a fintech office now uh, in so that has been also being pushed up so there are progress which is happening but then there are things that comes under the banking for example right so banks are regulated and most of the fintechs they are under the umbrella of banks probably because to get the licenses right how do you see the fintechs emerging the rise of fintech like will they be an alternate to the banking or there will be more of collaboration with the banking considering the diversity and the regulation that we have in having the country that's not
2: yeah, I think the global trend, uh, is, you know, what's called the embedded finance, right? So, uh, you've seen companies like startups, uh, Starbucks, for example. It's, it's obviously not a bank, but Starbucks wallet holds more than $1.5 billion in customers' money. And all you have, you can pay with it is actually coffee. So the way they did that is that they partner up with an existing banks. They use the bank's license and they kept their whatever license. Uh, to be able to offer financial services. Now, the embedded, uh, you see, for example, Apple with the Apple card and, you know, with the, with the, basically with the payment, they're also a technology company offering financial services through uh, banking as a service provider. Uh, so definitely the global trend is for technology company to start offer financial services. And this is good news because for the first time they will compete and they will bring the corporate excellence to the banking sector and they will offer uh, even though they rely on one bank, but they're a competition to the other bank. Um, it's, it's estimated to be in trillions of dollars. The embedded uh, finance. Uber, for example, just to uh, throw in an example, at some point they couldn't onboard more drivers because they uh, they realized the drivers drop in the registration process when you ask them to add a bank account. So they realized that you know the drivers are unbanked. So let us offer financial services and bank those uh, drivers. And also in the future, offer them loans and benefit why we're giving our, you know, the payroll or the money to the driver and he's going to another bank. So the global trend is definitely technology company will partner up with uh, a financial institution and start offering these financial services, uh, competing and introducing uh, again a market led approach that will benefit all uh, stakeholders. So that's, that's, I think the future um, of banks. They will initially work hand in hand. But then eventually, if they don't disrupt themselves internally, if they don't compete on features and be really more open to fintechs and uh, cross uh, feature, they will be at the end of the day, uh, you know, redundant and uh, disrupted fully.
3: Building on what he said, uh, the ba- banks have to consciously make a leap from what they're doing to becoming a lifestyle app. Because, I mean, now you're living in a place where uh, you broadcast your life on YouTube or on Instagram. You click on a button, a car picks you up. Uh, You uh, swipe right, you go on a date. So, but, and all this need, like money is like the cornerstone of uh, everything. And they're still forcing you to a, a... kind of a uh, an experience that uh, you feel that was, is from last century. And uh, there's like the technology layer that you, you have from who gets a loan and how and uh, who gets approved through uh, facial recognition to know if they're lying in their application to uh, uh, figuring out how you can save and create uh, passive income. Uh, all this, uh, they're just... Throwing money at it, and uh, uh, but it's not this. they need to uh, I mean I, I know you, uh, uh, you've heard about digital transformation of companies, but it's just a, a title. It's a culture that needs to be changed, it's the talent pool that needs to be changed, and it's uh, banks need to start recruiting uh, UX designers and problem solvers. Uh, instead of recruiting people that can issue you a, a, a credit card and follow up on you if you default. You know, the whole mentality needs to change. And I don't think they're geared to, uh, to make that change. And honestly, I don't think that they have space in the future to be relevant, except maybe as a warehouse for the money. True, I but think. Accessing that money, leave it to us as startups and fintechs, uh, uh, to make uh, uh, to make that leap from uh, paying to a lifestyle
0: enabler. Well, Because most of the banks, I mean, the bigger bank, they feel that they can do it themselves. So why to uh, collaborate or encourage fintechs in a way? There are some banks who would consider it as a competition, and then some who would, you know, complement each other and work together. Right. So that's a different model. With all those regulatory challenges that we spoke about, like you know, we spoke about uh, banks doing their part of it. So the fintechs are highly funded. Like you know, the funding is higher on the fintechs. Why? why do you think so? I mean, why? Why do you see a lot of funds that's coming into the fintechs, knowing challenges, knowing the kind of opportunity, but the funding is higher. So
3: first, they're super important because uh, they are like uh, the uh, road uh, network for a city. Fintech is to the digital economy. You need to. Uh, uh, t- you need money. And money is a cornerstone of everything. Now, the second reason is that you gotta pay to play in this industry. There's regulations, there's capital capital requirements, and there's uh, 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 they treat you like banks. Like uh, you need to have, uh, you need to pre-fund this account. Wink, wink. You need to. uh, 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 You you need to pay uh, uh, for your PCI uh, uh, compliance licensing. There's a lot of money to be paid before you start uh, proving if your product is relevant or not. As opposed to uh, other digital uh, uh, startups where... Uh, You just build something uh, scrappy and you test it in the market. And if it works, you get funding and then you grow. And so uh, that is very different. And the third reason is that uh, people who are funding these things understand FinTech as opposed to uh, asking uh, VCs that usually come from a a finance background or a banking background to fund a... um, A metaverse
2: based uh, startup yeah just a quick follow-up on that i think you described it beautifully and also from a commercial perspective usually the business model for a fintech company is very straightforward they're pretty much template businesses so as you said, like the the, it's very, the investor would have a very easier time understanding and seeing the potential. Plus the fact that the market is extremely underserved, especially in this market. So it's always a race on who's gonna uh, be that one uh, player, right? And capture. Like you look at Egypt, 120 million, 25 percent banked. Look at all the opportunity for a third party to come and offer these unbanked uh, population. So that's why it's 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 a race and it needs a lot of money. So I guess that's why uh, yeah, the fintech is one of the most uh, lucrative. And lending, we should really uh, focus on that because it's the main driver for uh, both on the corporate and on the retail side.
1: Yeah. Let me just quickly add on to this. At the end of the day, the VCs or the investors, why do they want to invest into any model? Because they want X amount of returns on it. Yeah, that's that's a simple thing. At the end of the day, I'm here to invest money to get some returns, right? And we see because the trends are such that underpenetrated, less adaptive markets, fintechs are the are the entities which are trying to solve all these use cases which the legacy platforms like banks were not able to solve for it. So there is a lot of way to make money for the fintechs. And in that same way, if the fintechs are able to make these monies, the investors at the end of the day will make the monies. That's the reason why you see a lot of action or a lot of investments coming to fintechs.
3: Actually, so, sorry, yeah. about the funding part. What we're suffering in the fintech industry is overfunding. Uh, and this is because I feel that it's the bank's last dance. So they want to throw money at the problem. I just heard yesterday, I was talking with someone who told me that uh, a bank who's launching a digital bank just spent $150 million and they don't have a product yet. They haven't launched, they they don't have customers. With $150 million, I could do a lot, lot more than this. But uh, that's how they, no, it's like throwing, uh, uh, it's like trying to fill a leaking bucket. They're going to keep on throwing money at it. But what they're doing actually is kind of messing up the, the industry.
0: Right. Just in terms of time, I know we have a lot of time. Just quickly, one strategy that you would recommend for fintechs to get into the MENA region. One strategy each.
2: So I think something really unique, uh, just quickly for the for the fintech companies right now they can with a technology license offer you know a lot of financial services because the process of getting uh, basically the financial license and so on is going to take a while so by partnering up i think the way to go for fintechs in the region is through partnership uh, that's the way to unlock the market the unlock the fragmentation if you try a do it yourself approach it's it's going to take you a longer time somebody else will basically do the right partnership and we've seen a lot of Fintechs partnering up with banks, and we've we've done a partnership ourselves, where we just combine effort to figure out the market. So I think the way to go and the best advice is try to figure out your local and you know strategic partner as soon as possible, and I think that would be the way to unlock the MENA
1: region. Yeah, uh, I call it collaborative fintech. So, and that's what we believe in. When we are creating the best platform, it's not that everything is done by ourselves, right? We partner for the front end apps. We partner for the open banking rails. We partner with the banks for bin sponsorships. So we, to create this whole BAS proposition, you have to bring in all the partners together. At the end of the day, everybody wins. It's not that, you know, like you're competing. So I would say let's not compete. Let's come together, create this whole ecosystem and uh, let the investors fund our platform. Right.
3: So, so there's no, in our industry, at least there's no one winner takes all. It's not uh, a, it's not a Facebook play. So collaboration is super important. Partnership is super important. You don't have to build everything from scratch. Actually, if you do, then you're in the wrong business. So you need to figure out who are your partners, how you can uh, deliver that value uh, cross borders, how you can uh, figure out what are the local uh, players that you can uh, use, the regional players that you can use, and always uh, deliver value, man. At the end of the day, it's about the value that you deliver.
0: Great. Thank you. Thank you very much, uh, Danny, Hassan, Dendera. That's all the time that we have play. Well, I hope it was insightful, and uh, feel free to interact with the team members the panel members after this, right? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so Thank you. much. Thank you for tuning in. We hope you enjoyed the episode. You can find our content on ngami Spotify and Apple podcast. Follow us on social media at Step Conference and let's stay in touch.